I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I've heard quite a few deafening roars at Crow Park over the years, and I have to hand it to the Kerry fans, the wall of noise they created when Sean O'Shea kicked the free to win it yesterday. It was up there with the loudest. i got to say, I think it feels even louder when you're supporting the team on the other end of a moment like this, and you're just a passive observer mm. listening to you're the You're listening, cacophony. you're not taking part of them. That's, oh, that, that's exactly. the difference. You know, yeah. when you're in it, it's like, yeah, of course, that's mental, but you're just you're so caught up in it, who knows? But when you're actually a witness to it, and you're as quiet as you're ever going to be, in your life there's no way you can make any noise yourself you're just sitting there going oh for fuck's sake ah <laughs> oh, welcome to Monday Second Captain's Podcast hey Kieran. hey Owen how's it going that was a hell of a weekend we had right there ah oh, and that was also the right way for Kerry to finally take down the dubs let's be honest the, the, the solid defensive structure in the first half was you know very very pleasing I'm sure for Jack O'Connor and his coaching team lovely scores being kicked by David Clifford as well it was all a bit too easy though you know that's no way to shed the psychological baggage what you need to do is dredge all the baggage right up to the surface there do your best to throw the game away hop uh, into the baggage just, basically and post yeah. yourself off to some <laughs> unknown location oh. uh, and then finally free yourself of, say, of free said free yourself baggage. with some extreme composure because what it th- I thought was amazing was so Dublin get the well it was a mark originally and then it's turned into a free uh, so they, they, Dean Rock has, takes the free from really close in everyone knows he's going to score and everyone's saying oh like even in the stands everyone's like oh extra time now and I was thinking there's going to be at least 20 seconds left there and Kerry have to try to get this kick out off and Dublin because it's a free have all the time in the world to organise their press uh, and it's going to be high it's going to be aggressive it's going to be no cakewalk for Kerry to work this ball out of defence here I actually thought Dublin would you know there's a fair chance mm. that Dublin could turn it over and win it and I was right Murph there was time for one team to win and that was Kerry and I, I did think it was after kind of losing their nerve it felt like at times in the second half they got it together at the end not just with the free but just even to, to work it out to get it high enough off the pitch to mm. then have a free to win the game I thought it was yeah. hats off Murph yeah and it, I you say know, through gritted teeth it is kind of like you know an Aaron Rodgers final drive kind of thing you know where like you have to get the ball into an area where a free you know it can actually you where you can win a free that can actually be you have to you have to get your kicker into into range um, and you know there wasn't going to be a whole lot of time like Paul Murphy Kicking that pass into David Clifford—that is not the percentage play at that at that exact moment. <laughs> you know, there's like there's every chance Dublin win a break there. Clock I don't know. Though. I think if David Clifford is in your team, the percentage play is any kick towards David Clifford at that point. So I would just argue yeah. there. <laughs> and we can talk about David Clifford as well, by the way. <laughs> oh. yeah. uh, but you know, to to get yourself into the position then, and then like the second the, the foul happened, I, like I turned to my dad and I was like. Oh, Sean O'Shea, definitely. And then we see the keeper coming up. I was like, keeper, will you get back? <laughs> like, the ball's on this guy, by the way. Was that not just time-wasting? Was that not just a little bit like Cluxton in 2011? Is he coming up? Is he not? When no. they knew that Sean O'Shea was going to take it. You think there was a chance that the... Well, the keeper wanted it. Like, there was no it. chance that he was going to take it. But I mean, I, I have to admire the balls on the, the, on the keeper for thinking that he even a sniff of this. Uh, and then, and then Sean O'Shea was kind of by the on the Hogan stand side and he's like he's jogging over he didn't exactly sprint over no. <laughs> you know and you're like 
Sean, like this is this is it. Like I've seen you do this multiple times. Uh, maybe not quite into a actually a very strong breeze into a hill sixteen, a full hill sixteen, doing everything in their power to put you off. But I mean, I have seen you kick it. So, uh, but yeah, it was just what an unbelievable day's drama it was. It was just are all you carry heads out there ready to live through it again? That final moment, I think you might be. That's how they called it on Radio Kerry, Tim Moynihan and Ambrose O'Donovan at the mic and Porg Lodge and RT Radio 1, all of them doing justice to uh, an incredible moment. Up, up Ken Mare had to be my favourite line out of that. Not mm. up Kerry at that moment. Mm. <laughs> up Ken Mare. I can't recall the same with, you know, sometimes there are, there are incidents where I feel it showcases a difference in, in how things are viewed in Dublin and Kerry. I can't remember too many up Parnells going mm. on when Stephen Cluxon <laughs> kicked the free in 2011. No. But there you go. No, it was what a, um, what a way to do it. It was a hell of a moment. It really. It was really also was. the like. Okay, so you mentioned the distance, uh, the circumstances, the distance, the bit of a breeze going on. I don't know if lads' legs are getting stronger, or technique is getting better, or the balls are getting lighter, or what's going on. But like the Rian O'Neill free for Armagh against uh, Galway a few weeks back, mm. Shawnee O'Shea kicked it from fifty-five meters or whatever. If he had placed the ball down on the halfway line, he would have given it a fair <laughs> this go. This thing was going to go seriously. Over. It was so far over the bar. It was mm. unbelievable, the no, distance. I, and Jack O'Connor was saying afterwards that he, he didn't think it was kickable. He was all getting ready for extra time. Mm. Now, I mean, you know, you probably don't even remember the 1987 Ireland football semi-final between Cork and Galway. Owen, do you? Uh, no, I, I won't press you for an answer on that one. But Larry Tompkins <laughs> did have a bloody big old boot on him, to be fair. Derek Duggan, it was at 90. To the 92 Connacht, 91 Connacht final for Ross Common against Mayo. Um, there have been big frees hit in the past, to be fair. I mean, the Reno Neal one is still an even better free than the Sean O'Shea free. Now, maybe, you know, you, you do have to factor in the fact that it's into full Hill 16. It's against the dubs. It's the it's the similar to Reno's last kick of the game, I suppose. Um, like, Reno, like, it, it says something for the quality of free-taking uh, in this year's championship, that that was not the best free hit this year, because <laughs> mm. uh, um, Reens is on the angle, you know, it's it's on the angle and nearly is uh, as far out as Sean O'Shea. So, um, either way, though, on pretty bloody good free taking. I mean, oh, you toss up. you take into account the fact that Shane Walsh was hitting <laughs> hit three unbelievable pressure frees with his bad foot, and you'd have to say, like that's that's pretty much the level of free-taking you need in I your I see team. what you're doing, Murph. You're trying to turn this into a Galway show. Okay, then. I'll give you your dues. Galway had their own dramatic moment, Murph. The fans lifted the roof off the place just at the start of the second half when it was announced that Hawkeye had messed up <laughs> <laughs> and Shane Walsh's first half point was being awarded after all. Which was a kind that of bizarre moment. utterly bizarre. But I mean, the entire halftime was completely bizarre because even before halftime, the halftime whistle had been blown, everyone was getting text messages saying, here, what the hell is going on? So it, it kind of, as the halftime whistle goes, I think it was raised then on RTE just after the whistle goes, as the teams were running in, they showed another replay of the point 
which obviously showed that the point was clearly inside the post. Then, mm-hmm. So the entire play, I mean, they might as well have just like sent out one of those government text messages about, co- you know, the, the COVID-19 text messages. Like the, it was, or, or, you know, like you're in Hawaii and there's a tsunami warning or something. You know what I mean? It's like literally everyone gets the exact same text message. That's what might as well have happened in Quo Park because everyone's phone went off. Here, that's a, that's a fucking point. That's <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was really odd. Like even standing in the standing in the queue for the bathroom or something at halftime and everyone is just like passing each other's phones around with the video of the of the point so it was obviously a very strange scenario but then the fact that it was so close to halftime meant that there, it just the right thing had to happen I mean, I mean I was sat there with some friends of mine going I mean I don't know what recourse to rule there is in this like it's like there is no rule for this I don't know how they would. Yeah, I don't know how they would have sorted that out if it was like that. It was in the middle of a half, and also even the fact that it happened at the end, they got. They were imagine that happened at the end of full time, and Derry think they've just won by a point, yeah. and they're off celebrating, and you're having to call Galway back in the dressing room, and you're calling them back in. It would have been absolute madness. So they they got away I mean, with one. Poor yeah. Hawkeye was stood down, of course. But. Yeah, I mean, let's just say that Offaly in '98 was mentioned by a couple of Galway fans in my vicinity. <laughs> Get down there. Sit down on the field. You're going nice nowhere. day for it as well. Oh, yeah, gee, so you can only really you can commit to a sit down protest on a nice sunny day. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you'd you'd head for the car park otherwise. But it was a delightful yeah. evening. Um, so yeah, I mean that was more like just another daft thing that happened on a pretty daft weekend. And in fairness, I'll go. I put it away in the second half. Damien Comer, we're going to talk to Oshin and Paul in a few minutes' time, and I'm sure Comer's performance will come up. The first goal, I know Oshin was quite taken by. I just thought the second goal was so. F- so funny it was one of those ones yeah. where you don't see them very often well you might continue to see them more now that goalkeepers on nearly every team seem to think that they're uh, half forwards now so the keeper's off his line he's gone there's only a defender back it's not an easy finish but you think as you would say Murph the percentage play might be to roll it gently towards the goal and just make sure you mm. have it you know it's not going to hit the crossbar it's not going to bounce over that you was my target the crossbar you know that like yeah. in a million years like how what are the chances and yet you know you're you've you, when your team has won in Ireland in a while you know these are the sort of thoughts that like go through your head in like a split second as you see the ball it was so arrowing. brilliant though it was so brilliant that he did it the way he oh, did it it yeah. just looked it was even better it just had you up off had, just so much you know, conviction about it. it I mean oh. and like that's that's the word for Damien Comer is just conviction in everything he does uh, if he makes a run for the ball, he makes it impossible for you to not pass him the ball. Like his first point, like the, the first point of the game, goal is first point of the game, was the most important score of the entire game uh, because it came, whatever, in the 22nd minute. Everything had gone perfectly to plan for Derry. Um, I mean, they'd kicked a few wides, but, you know, the idea for Derry was get ahead, stay ahead, squeeze the game, end the game. That's the plan. And Goldway were rushing their shots, uh, at, at one stage I mean I think it might have been af- actually a couple of minutes after Comer's first point but there was a group of like seven or eight Gola players just stood in the middle of the field in a huddle talking to each other and I was like lads you know we knew we knew what was coming why are we still figuring this out but I mean, but like but to be fair like you can you can do all these video analysis sessions in the world and it will not prepare you for actually playing it I mean Keith Duggan compared watching Derry live as opposed to watching them on television to watching a lunar eclipse through a keyhole which I thought was an amazing line uh, in the Irish Times this morning so you can imagine what playing against them compared to just watching them on video must be like and it just took Galway a couple of minutes to to figure it out but that first point that Comer got it was just he was standing on the 45 and all of a sudden he just goes and you're left with no option but to pass the ball to him he takes a, a solo a second solo kick off the left and all of a sudden, Galway are in the game. Derry get the next score, but Galway are, are they're starting to move. And they'll just those couple of points before halftime. By the time halftime comes, and then the Hawkeye nonsense makes it 4-4 as opposed to 4-3, I actually felt Galway were in a pretty good position at that stage. I think that I thought that they had weathered most of what Derry had to throw at them. Uh, and then the conviction with which Gola played the first 15 minutes of the of the second half. And then they just managed the game from there, you know, and it was obviously a pretty poor spectacle. I was getting plenty of text messages from, from, from people during the game telling me what it was. It was, t- it was a poor spectacle that was rescued by Damien by, Comer. By Damien Comer, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think that this is, you know, it's, it is a recurring theme that, you know, when you have forwards like that, you have a chance in games that you otherwise wouldn't. And uh, Walsh has done it in the past, Damien Comer is, is, has done it in the past and is doing it now. 
Um, but I have to reserve a special word of praise for John Daly, who I think, you know, if Golig won and win this All-Ireland, he, he will be in the running for Player of the Year. He has just been exceptional time and time again. Brilliant pass into Damien Comer for his the last, the second of his points in the first half. Another pinpoint pass in the second half. I mean, Comer can make all these runs, but you have to put it in front of him. I mean, you don't have to hit him on the chest with it, but you do have to give him a chance. Daly hit a couple of brilliant passes into him. Uh, the turnover for the second goal is just, it's an unbelievable bit of defending. It's Connor Glass has it in his hand and then he doesn't have it in his hand. And it, it's uh, Daly picks it up, moves it on, two passes later, it's in the back of the net. And Daly has just been, an ex- he's just been so, so good for a young player who's had his fair share of injuries. Um, he's just stepped up massively, you know, and uh, he's a huge, he's a huge defensive weapon for Galway. Um and, you know, just like we haven't had a, a brilliant centre-back since my own club man, Jim Blake, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and just to have someone that good in that important a position, uh, it's been, he's, he's very much an understated and underrated player, I think, but he's, he's top class. It was such a weekend of sport that it can't possibly be contained in this one podcast. Ireland have beaten the All Blacks in New Zealand, setting up perfectly. Oh yeah, potentially. that happened this weekend as well. <laughs> exactly. It seems, seems a long, like a time, long ago time ago. Now. It really does. A potentially momentous day next Saturday. And it's also perfectly set up for our World Service members who get to hear our rugby chat on tomorrow's podcast. That's Tuesday's pod. It's going to go out after the game against the Maori All Blacks, which is on tomorrow morning. So we'll be looking back at what happened on Saturday, also looking forward to what could be a momentous occasion next Saturday, and we'll bring in news of whatever happens in that final midweek game. That's a good, solid rugby slot, if you ask me. Mm. That's, that's a, worth being a world There's more than for. enough to get stuck into there. There's the All-Ireland Hurling final as well on this Sunday. I mean, we just don't have time. I don't even have the headspace to think about the All-Ireland Hurling final yet, <laughs> but it will happen this week, this week also. Now, it's the Philip McConville show. And he is my second captain. Second captain. That's uh-huh. the humorous competition. I saw that. Important men for my selection. What is it all about? There's no telling it's as bold as a peak. David Clifford! I love you, County. It's a dump. We're going to do it. Well, the sun was shining. Croke Park looked fantastic. Ushi McConville looked even better on the Sunday game. A bloody fine weekend, all in all. Unless, of course, you're from Dublin or Derry. Hey, Oisin, how are you? All in his form. Ah, it's been better. It's been better. Paul, how are things? <laughs> Morning, I'm with you on this. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get through. Let, let, let's offer our congratulations. Let's let's be the bigger men about this, Paul. Uh, I don't think there's anyone really arguing today that that the better team lost at Croke Park yesterday. Um, I prefer if you didn't put words in my mouth. However, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only, no, I'm only kidding. Um, yeah, no, look, it was definitely for for a lot of that game. Dublin played um, played second fiddle. Um, However, like I still left feeling that like they probably could have could have won. It'd be a bit of a push to say they should have won, but they could have won. And in the last um, quarter of the game, I felt that like the momentum was with them, mm. and that they were due. They, they they just never got a prolonged period of 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 dominance. They just kind of they they were literally kind of holding on. They kind of stayed in the game, and um, but they just didn't then capitalize on it. And I just felt that like. Um, what we feared probably coming into it in relation to the um, well I didn't think the Kerry squad off the bench made any real impact I still felt that we didn't have any impact off our bench and um, we, we, we could we, we could have um, it could have made a difference in the end but look to be honest with you it was it was like coming right into this with raw emotion like I didn't really get a chance to actually reflect on the game too much it's early on a Monday morning Um I was in there. It was unbelievable. Mm. Like the atmosphere in there was just electrifying. It was a game that was probably worthy of a bit of magic to win it, and that's what we got because they're like like any Dublin Kerry game. We talked about this last week. They take a life of their own. When we were a better team, there was still only a kick of a ball in it. 
this Kerry team just they're going the right direction and Dublin's are probably not going the right direction um, um, and it was still only a kick of the ball in it you know so um, yeah great day out in Crowe Park yesterday yeah we were talking about the, the just the noise O'Shane when the free was hit and the fact that there was no there was no time for any comeback at that point it was everyone goes mental then full time whistles blown everyone goes doubly mental and it's just it's an amazing moment even for a county as steeped in success as Kerry have been historically uh, those are the moments are just amazing to have um, the way they got that done in the end despite very nearly throwing it away where do you think they're at psychologically this morning well I just think if anybody wants to know what it meant, I mean, the reaction afterwards, not just to the players, but like, Jesus, the, the fans who actually turned up and tor- not only turned up as in body, but turned up as in really got behind their team. Um, where are they psychologically? I mean, that has to be the, the boost that they would want going into an All-Ireland final. I personally, being... Uh, the individual that I am would have loved to see Dublin go one up, just like they never led in the game, just to just to really spook Kerry and see, you know what was going on, a real gut check, but um, that never really materialised. But I have to say, um, the way Kerry turned over the ball when they really had to, um, and I know there was a period in the game where it was just like one turnover after another, and it just took some. Real, real cool heads. Dublin's problem was that they were really reliant on the on the older guys when it really come down the down the stretch. I thought, you know, uh, I thought Kilkenny, Fenton, McCarthy. Um, I thought they were absolutely phenomenal. Like even Brian Fenton stepping inside and and kicking the one with his left foot that I that I had chalked down and only realised afterwards that it was actually just tail wide. But um, the way those guys stood up, um, and then the way Sean O'Shea stood stood up at the end, even the Paul Murphy chip into Clifford who's coming running out for the ball, like all that takes is a fist just to get that ball away, and all of a sudden we're going. We're going into extra time, so uh, there was lit- look. It was there was a litany of small little moments, you know, Scully shot that I never felt he should have took on. Um, just so ma- a litany of so many small little things that could have that the game could have turned on. I was full of admiration actually for Dublin after. Um, I was full of admiration because they looked as if they were dead and buried. I mean, the penalty looked as if it was going to be, if that goes in, you know, it's a long, long way back. Um, and I think Kerry just keep passing those tests, uh, regardless of how to do it, you know, they're able to do it. And as I say, yesterday felt, mm, it just felt really significant right at the end because regardless of how they, they did it, they did it. And uh, I think that was the important thing for them. And I think they had a lot, like Sean O'Shea and, and David Clifford, Obugliak, all those guys were, you know, they were outstanding. I mean, you consider, like, you know, they're up against some of the best. It was, uh, you know, as much as, you know, you would have loved to have seen them maybe prove one more point. I mean, there's only so much they, they can do in one game and... and they roll on into the final with uh, against the, you know a team that looked as if they were on a on a similar path. Uh, so yeah, like the that game delivered in a huge way yesterday. Even though, as I said last night, if you wanted to, like you could really pick a lot of holes in some of the the quality in the, in the middle. But it was just that it's just that it's the atmosphere. It's the it's the it's the intent, the intensity. It's 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 everything and like. You have to really be thinking so clearly um, when you're under that microscope and under that pressure. Yeah. And I was when I was walking into the get sorry for more for coming across there, but like what you say there, O'Shane, when I, when I was walking into the game with a mate of mine, and uh, we were walking down Clonliffe Road, and we were talking about games of old and talking about how imperfect they were, and talking about how that made them so entertaining. And in in pursuit of perfection, I suppose you know. It sometimes can take away from the the beauty of the game, right? And to the, yesterday there were so many mistakes. You could critically analyze it, and you could say, "Well, what the hell was the turnover rate? What, what, what was the decision making here? All them things." But 
that's probably what made it such a good game was that there were so many turnovers and there were so many there were mistakes because it showed that the players cared it showed that there was so much on the line um, yeah and I just, I just thought that was kind of one of the things that struck me was that that kind of nearly made him yeah absolutely Paul um, just explain to us again Ushin really quickly about the cut of the grass in Crow Park and why that makes a difference to free takers because again as I was watching it Sean O'Shea puts it on like he doesn't even try to steal any yards I, I, I don't know who I was sticking up for saying that someone didn't try to steal the y- yards uh, and you, everyone shouted me down and actually you guys were right uh, was it Reen O'Neill was trying to steal a few yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah so. what's the story there Oshie well the th- story is uh, when you're like if you've seen the, the two cuts of grass if you put it on the first one you've got absolutely no you know uh, in the traditional pitches you get a little bit of a tuft you yeah. might have to you might have to move it around it's like uh, anybody who plays golf lift clean in place you always snake to look for a little a little tuft, even if it is outside the mm. the old six inches or that. But it's the same thing in in Crow Park. Like I I used to um, the forty five one used to be interesting because I actually used to t- take it back a couple of yards outside the forty five. Even though I was already struggling for distance, uh, and that was because of the the um, the way the grass went. And the reason for that was that it's impossible to kick off the one that's going away from you. Uh, and the one that's coming slightly towards you um, gives you, you know, um, a much better chance to get it sitting up on on some sort of height. So uh, that's really that's really. So, so that would explain why he why that. he didn't try to see any yards. He didn't want to put it into that other. Well, actually, cut. not only did he because I we checked. Not only did he not, not try and steal yards, but he actually took it back mm. just into the into yeah. the uh, into that cut. So he probably took it back probably a yard and a half <laughs> uh, back into that cut. So that just shows you how important it was. And obviously, the difference for him was that, like you seen where the ball finished. You know, it finished halfway up the ball catcher. So like he wasn't struggling for he wasn't going to struggle for distance. So I think he realised that, even though he was into the wind. But the adrenaline. The adrenaline gives you another, definitely gives you another 10 yards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a distance, but like that, just to plant it practically over the black spot as well, Paul, with with, with all the pressure. I, I, like I know they, they'd still have extra time if he missed it, but uh, they didn't need that in the end. No, and I, I um, the he had, a, he had some first half too, and like I have to say, that wasn't just him. It was a, a well-organised Kerry team allowed him to get the better of John Small in the first half. So there was a lot of um, being in there now, like Jack Barry played his usual role of kind of destroyer or kind of just being a tough body around the place. Like the, the number of times where he, where Kerry were on the attack, he would just leave his man, no interest in the ball, just run straight for John Small and just double up on him. And he did the same on Clifford's man, which was like, you know, um, it was just clever play from from it's playing on the line, but it's clever play, you know. And they targeted the fact that John Small has 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 taken Sean O'Shea out of the game every time he played him over the last number of years. And in the first half, he he absolutely um, he absolutely was on top. Now, um, it's, bear in mind that the, the game was very like when you watch it on TV and the highlights last night don't do that really any justice. Like you had to see the whole thing and you had to feel it, the wind and be in there because. Even when you're in the stand, there was a there was a decent win there in the first half for Kerry, and it's similar for 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 um for Dublin obviously in the second half. So that played a role in the lads not having as much of an impact in the second half. But equally, the Dublin lads were a bit more aggressive. They played out in front a bit more, and they kind of they 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 did get on top. So um, but the two of them like in the first half in particular, Clifford got a ball underneath the Cusick stand, and he did a sidestep and then went through two two Dublin players and. Kicked it over the bar. It was, it was one of the points of the year. His um, his power, his pace is is just frightening, you know. And um, at times in the first half, Dublin just left were too exposed. And what we discussed actually after the Cork game, and I thought Cork did it a few times, just didn't have the quality to finish it off. But kick out quickly, turn and kick the ball into the full forward line, and it was not uh, nothing mm. um, too tactical. It was just quick transition, and they left them the left the Dublin lads exposed because they're pressing up on kick out. So, in hindsight, I would have preferred to see Dublin. I actually just wanted Dublin to play a sweeper for the whole game. But if there was that win, I definitely would have played it. Like you know, just a bit more structurally because um, Johnny is so good at it that you could have probably cut out some of that stuff. So. Um, 
and then you see what happens with Johnny House and Man Mark like it's a much more difficult role yeah. and he's like a lot, of, a lot of injuries and a lot of miles in the legs he's just not as he's not as um, he doesn't have that in him as much as he did obviously um, so they, they were like they were, we were dead and buried like come half time you know and the penalty obviously saved us I watched initially watching the penalty I was like didn't have any idea uh, probably because I had my hands in my uh, my, 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 <laughs> my head in my hands but I didn't have any idea what was the reason for the kerfuffle afterwards um, but then I watched it last night again to be quite honest with you now and um, I'm obviously biased and people will think that to me that's a red card and I'll take a pause there for a second because it is right, and we can talk about it all we want. It was accidental and fully, but like he's in the he's in the goalkeeper six yard box. He pulls on the right boot. If he tries to poke, poke it in, that's fair game. But it was to follow through and it kicks the goalkeeper in in the head. And we talk about talked about last year in relation to John Small's incident, entirely different incident. I'm not trying to compare it, but the words used for everybody was duty of care to the player. And I think in that instance, like you can't, you you, you, you can really hurt somebody if you're going to kick them in the head. So that was, and I didn't even, I wouldn't even have wanted it to be honest with you, because it would have, it could have ruined the game. And it was just, it was, it was just when you see it, I don't think there's anything made of it. Well, um, well, but just Oshin on that one before we go on with the rest of the game, Oshin, you, you don't don't agree with that 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 was a red. Well, the ball, the ball is. Is he at least a yard away from from Evan Comfort when he draws on it? I mean, it's it's yeah. There's a bit of a follow through, but there's absolutely nothing in it. Absolutely not. There's no way that was a red card. And accidentally or not, he still kicked him in the head, Oshin. Like that's the that's the thing, and it's in the six yard box. If the right foot, which is why he went with the ball, which is a yard away, the left foot followed through and kicked him in the in the face. You know, so. Um, it's a kick in the face, accidentally not. So look, it's it's fair game that like some people have their opinion on it, but I can guarantee if it was if it was a Dublin player, it would be a different view, um, and not just from the Sunday game, just in general. Just nothing was really made of it. But um, and if not, anyway, it's dangerous play. If it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. He got booked later on. So, Oshin, um, last word. You're, you are just you're you're categorical. And so, what's your reasoning for not being a red card? As as Paul says, he he went for the follow through. He went for the ball was saved. He tries to kick it home, has every right to, I think, um, and kicks it with his right. It's the left leg then that that catches, um, I would have thought inadvertently catches the goalkeeper. Yeah, like Evan Comfort's coming towards him. You know, he's uh, going towards Evan Comfort. You know, the ball's there to be played and it's completely accidental. It was unnatural action, to be honest. But anyway, look, we're not going to agree on it, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And you know what? It doesn't take away from the game. I just thought it was one of the moments of the game that went for Kerry. I also thought another moment of the game that went for Kerry. Actually, I thought every second ball Kerry won, right? And that's not got to do with a man. That's not got to do with decisions. It's just got to do with... I think it's got to do with the... One, the structure that Kerry had in attack and in defence was better. Whereby, if they were in attack, they never really left themselves isolated. So if they turned... So if Dublin did get contact and dislodge the ball or, or make, you know, a play... The Kerry guys picked it up. They won every second ball. And in defence, if Dublin were going at them, Dublin, it was either a case that Dublin were leaving themselves isolated or that Kerry's structure defensively was better. That if they did, if Kerry dislodged the ball, they won it back and they went on the transition. And that happened time and time again. It's a stat that's probably hard to measure, but it just felt every time that we were going into contact or they were, we just didn't come out on top of those little things. Um, uh, and then one other questionable one, and I actually didn't see enough to 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 re- but like when John Small gets black card, which is hundred percent black card, um, I thought the hiff was fouled inside the thirteen yard line. Right, he was he was it, look there's there's letting the game go and there's there's just technical fouls, and I think that he was he was he was fouled in that instance, and they just turned the ball over. Not sure if you remember, though, you know, he's reviewed it last night. Not line, sure, no. But it, it was it was. It's worth looking back on. It was one of those ones where, yeah, you can understand letting the game go, but you can also, there's technical fouls and he pulled his arm back and it was a free and that would have been different, obviously. Um, but so anyway, all they are little decisions and for years, little decisions went their way. And it's because, sometimes it's because of, there's no reason for it. And then other times it's just because of, you, the, the, maybe the energy you're bringing to a game or the way you're playing, they just happen to fall your way. A little bit of luck, it's, it's, it's important in games like that when there's only a kick of a ball in it. But, um, but aside from that, like you know, I, I could not argue that Kerry Kerry were the better team overall. You know, I was immensely proud of Dublin actually leaving in a weird way like that. They 
they really died on their sword and it's not that it was all about the emotion of it it was more got to do with lads stood up lads just you know James McCarthy like I don't know what else he could say about the man he was probably stuck together you know with glue just mm. to get out onto that pitch and then he puts in a shift that like he I didn't think he even still had that in him not the point because he's been doing that them things it mm. was the tackles it was the contact it was the we're kicking a point sprinting back 50 yards and then kick, winning the punch back for a kick from the kick out like he just dominated every play that came near him he was um a pure warrior of the game it's 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 just it's just that so like when you see that I will never go to a Dublin game and be nothing other than proud when you see lads given given that and we all know the quality these lads have so it's not as if it's not there but I think critically looking at it there just wasn't enough playmakers it took Fento to have to get the ball to kick it into Paddy Small to win that mark but you were, there were probably just, just too many players around that just are not playmakers that they just will check back and they will hand, hand pass the ball off to someone else whereas a couple of years ago the ball would be with anybody and anyone would make that pass and we'd back anyone to make it and there just wasn't that enough of them playmakers everywhere on the pitch but um, yeah There's too many Dublin players that are probably just not there yet you know what I mean like I don't know if they're going to get there uh, but just, there's too many that just aren't just there yet uh, as again I don't know if they, if they, if they are going to get there but yesterday like they were very very reliant on a lot of the old guard mm. and but you know Oshin, that's that is the way of things you know uh when you look at teams like they're going to have like like the days of dublin having 20 players of roughly equal quality that was never going to you know that's just not a thing that ever happens you know um like the one thing i would say is that i don't think desi farrell gave the dubs the best chance to win this game Ush. You know, at the end of the day, like the amount of times I'm, I saw Paddy Clifford picking up the ball in the, in the middle of the field, and then you just you take a glance up to, uh, towards the the Davin end, particularly in the first half, and it's just like fifty yards, like literally yeah. 40, 50 yards in front of David Clifford, with no one else uh, sweeping in front of Mick Fitzsimons, and, and it was rarely happening the the other way, Murph. You know, the Dublin. Full forwards never seem to be, you know, yeah. in any no. way. Until no, it, got I, bit I, ragged, it got a bit ragged towards the end, but for the first yeah, fifty minutes, I, they weren't getting any space. Yeah, I, I would question the Dublin inside forwards movement, to be honest. But yeah. that's kind of a different question. At the end of the day, like there are ways to allow Kerry to beat you, and allowing David Clifford to put on a clinic for thirty-five minutes, like you just can't do it. Like you, and like I don't know if that's. Um, like arrogance is a loaded word, right? But there's like an element of like self confidence amongst this Dublin team, obviously for all the irons that they won. And this idea that you don't put a sweeper in front of David Clifford, I mean, it, it's it's I think it's either arrogance or it's daftness. You know, I like I just I couldn't believe what I was looking at yesterday. Yeah, it was it was mismanaged just in particular in the first half I thought. Um and I think, you know, like I was talking about yesterday about, you know, um Evan Comfort wasted three and a half minutes, you know, and I thought, you know, that's really smart football, uh, you know, running down that clock in the way they did, but there were so many other things that weren't smart. There was two pieces of defending in particular in the game. There was the own marching one for the ga- for the goal, and there was one in the second half from uh, from Brian Howard that let uh, Paddy Clifford in for a festive point. Both just simple, basic, just stay a goal, say to your man, um, and but again, the pressure that they were under because they were one on one most of the time, I think, really uh, come home to roost. You know, at different stages in the game, but the first half was was criminal to leave those guys hanging out to dry like that. But lastly, Paul on Kerry, do you, do you think this answers the character question? Sometimes it doesn't matter how you get over the line as long as you get a, get over the line. Because obviously you're watching that throughout the second half. You're saying, Kerry, you're actually all over the place here. You know, they were bottling it for large portions of the second half. Their composure was gone. Is this the character question answered? Or are, they, are they just very, very lucky to have a free taker with a rocket for a right boot to save their bacon? Do you know what? Like, when you don't, when you're building character as a team, you need to get games like this under your belt. And it just... It, it just builds, right? You have to have, you have to stutter over the line at the start, and then the next time you just become a little bit better. And it's about layering on. It's not a case of one game 
okay, now you've got character. It's just, it's all these small steps that, and so it's definitely a small step and that'll, that'll stand to them. And that, that's for sure. I'm in the second half. There was part of it that was down to how they tactically played rather than psychologically at, at many parts. Like they tried to control the ball. They tried to take the sting out of play. And I was actually saying to myself, if they go for this, we mm. are screwed because they are killing us in the full forward line. So that it suited us. So what that told me is looking forward now to the final is I think they're going to struggle against Galway. And now I need to a little bit more time to think about it. As I say, it's Monday morning. I'm just, I'm, I was playing a few things around in my head last night and then they were probably all daft because I was <laughs> f- full of emotion and a few beers. But the, the thing, the thing to me is like they play pure counter attack and it worked for them in the first half, but they won't get that luxury against Galway. And I still, I said this, you can go back through the podcast. I have not yet seen a time where, where Kerry have dominated against a set defense and they're going to fa- face that against Galway. And Galway are going to try counter them. So it'll be a, it could be a dour final, like where we just see two teams sitting back, holding their six players in position and just a lot of back and forth. Um, but I think on the character question, Murph, I think you need wins like this to start the journey of just believing. And now, um, um, that's, that's definitely going to stand to them. What about Galway then, Oshin? How impressed were you with how they got the job done on Saturday? Well, I would say after 29 minutes, I would say this is the most dairy game that you're ever likely to see. It was just seemed to be the only thing that wasn't happening was Derry weren't, you know, putting the scores on the scoreboard. Uh, you know, that they weren't chipping on another one, another one, another one. And 29 minutes, you know, you would think, you know, six, seven, one, something like that. And, and you know, Derry are a really happy team. But... The way that Galway had the ability to turn it around, I mean, like the 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 shift in in energy between the first half and the second half was absolutely incredible. I mean, the scores before half time were important. There's absolutely no doubt about that. They were important because, you know, to go in four uh, three turned out four four at half time was so important. But the way they dominated the second half, the way they turned Derry over, I mean. Like they made that Derry team that looked so ruthless and, and so capable of getting goals and they just blunted them completely. I mean, like I actually, I walked away thinking like there's, Galway have absolutely dominated Derry for 40 minutes. Absolutely dominated them. Uh, and they have obviously have a huge amount of quality up front and like they have to go into the final just absolutely relishing it and again you know the last day we talked about Tierney and we talked about Finnerty and how good they were and okay they were blunted a little bit again uh, at the weekend but for Comer to step up in the way he did and Shane Walsh you know even just from free kicks but um, you have to nail your free kicks when you're playing against Derry when you're playing against you know this Kerry team in the final you get opportunities you just have to nail them you know, and and every one that you do gives you energy. Every one that you miss gives the opposition energy. But coma, like, <laughs> like this is like the, the this is. He's a, he is so sharp. He is so strong. Like to, to, to he score, is so direct. To, to score something like that, uh, you know, that kind of tally in a, in in a, in a, a mad free scoring match where it's three seventeen to two fourteen or something is one thing. To score what was a two two in uh, you know in a low scoring game where every score mattered for a period was just ridiculous stuff. Yeah, no, I did a thing actually last night on on where he picked up the ball in the first half, and he was picking it up so deep. He was doing such a good job for his team. Oh, but Jesus, like, whenever he put him in full forward and, you know, he's making those, like, he only, the, the one he, he got the goal off, Brendan Rodgers, where, where his movement, it was literally four yards. He was so quick over four yards. And I, I can tell you, Brendan Rodgers can shift. And when he turned him, I mean, his finish, there's only one place he can put that down low in under the keeper. He looks so sharp on and and I was looking at him. He he started playing with with Galway in 2014. So you probably think here's a guy with 50 appearances for for his county at championship level. He doesn't. He spent a lot of time out injured. He spent a lot of time, you know, being half fit going into games. But he is he is absolutely he is absolutely flying. I can't tell you how sharp he is. 
He is ridiculously sharp and he is so difficult to mark. So difficult to mark. And he has developed the left foot. I don't know if it's if it's standing beside Shane Walsh training and being embarrassed or, or whatever it is, but he's developed that left foot and that has helped him because he can go either side now. But um, ridiculously sharp um, and is finishing on, on, on Saturday just matched everything that he's been, that we've been... Like when he burst on the scene... He he was exactly what Galway needed, but it, that never materialised for a number of reasons, and the main re- main reason was you know through injury. But he actually hasn't played as much football as you think because of injury, and now he looks as if he's just ready to to explode again. Do you think Galway improved from the Armagh game, Paul, or did we just see something very different from them on Saturday? No, I, I think they have have, have definitely improved. Um, but like, remember they 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 were six up against Armagh. Like they played they played quite well there too. So they've just been playing very well. They're very well set up. What I like about them is that they analysed their opposition. Obviously, they have a set way that they play, but they definitely look at what their opposition are doing in detail. And that's probably the Keen O'Neill effect. And they try to um, kind of amend their system to suit. And two kind of telling areas there was one on the, on 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 the kick out for Derry, like there were it was so aggressive from Galway. Um, they had five up in their own full for in the full forward line, you know, at times and just trying to really trying to force them long. Uh, and then they got good, they got they got a good return from that one. They did turn first them long. And second was when we spoke about last week as well about. Derry's ability to attack the wings, and I actually genuinely didn't didn't actually see this before um, before the, the weekend is where Derry, like it was was it was probably over egg at times. I think this was probably they was they needed a balance, but the way they just transitioned purposely just to let their forwards or anybody at that doesn't have to be a forward to get inside the full forward line, and they like sometimes had six players inside the full forward line. You know, two in the corner, two in the full forward, and two in in the other corner. And that'll allow them to then attack the wings so that if they were going down one side, they didn't have to transition the ball across. They could just keep going because they had numbers. But uh, Galway, were, um, they were very wide to it. Not initially, but they, they then got a grip of it very, very quickly. And that's a sign of a good team to figure it out because that that was, a, um, I suppose, an innovation that, that Gallagher brought this year to Derry and it, 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 it's worked for them. Um, but you're just, at times... I felt that for all the tactical um, prowess and intelligence that Gallagher has, Galway seemed to be better set up and they seemed to be able to adjust, whereas Derry just looked a little bit one-dimensional. One if that didn't work, they didn't really ever just try to turn the ball over and then just transition at a complete pace. It was always just kind of a little bit just... Um, a little bit slower and yeah so but it was Galway are certainly stepping up and players just keep on you know making making a name for themselves each game um, um, but I just feel that what they'll get from this coming through a tough tough side of the draw I know like you know it's not the, the Kerry and Dublin were on one side but all tough games you talk about character building the Kerry from a Galway perspective they're seriously, seriously um, big in the character building games. They've come through. Oh, sh- like that. I mean, the you know, even with one eye in the final now, like you know, I was saying last week on the show, that it felt like certainly a lot of the previews are making the point that if the winner of the Dublin Kerry game would be the favourites for the final, you know, if it was Dublin, they'd be back and all that kind of stuff. If it's Kerry, they would have got the Dublin monkey off the back, which they have done. But I don't know, watching the way Galway did it on Saturday. Uh, has to change that somewhat and even listening to Paul there about the challenge that Galway are going to present to to Kerry I mean how much this must sicken Mayo people listen to this that we're now talking about Galway nipping in and winning in All-Ireland <laughs> uh, this year but like what I'm asking is is it 50-50 in the final? Yeah it looks it looks that way and you know what was the you know what what I think Porrick Joyce uh, and the boys will love was uh, Lachlan Murray's goal um, I think that's a hugely important score because it 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 refocuses the mind again. Because I think the second half was almost too perfect for for Galway going into a final, and I think just that little bit of uh, indecision, that little bit of a lapse of con- concentration, they they've sorted out most of it. And there was another little thing that 
now they that, that again will focus the mind. So uh, just right at the end, you know, Galway got another little you know reminder of you know what can happen if we even switch off slightly. So uh, Galway are going into the, as much as you know Paula said about Kerry going into the final in, a, in an ace way. I actually think that that Galway are still going into the final, feeling they have a little bit left in the tank and a little bit left to prove. So. Uh, I think that the commentary before uh, the semi-finals, you're 100% correct, whoever comes out of Dublin and Kerry, but I think that mindset has dramatically changed since they've seen the performance of uh, of Galway. Because I tell you what, what, and I don't want to overemphasize this, but, but I do think that when myself and Paul first talked about Galway Mayo at the start of the year, one of the things I we talked about, or certainly I talked about, was uh, the underbelly. What's insane? What's when you dig really, really deep into the into the tough championship games? What's there? Is it fluffy, or is it is it have the you know got the got the the toughness uh, that you need and all the and the badness to win in all Ireland? And they now also have football smarts. And I know I'm using that too much. I know I'm using that word too much, but they have. There's a little. There's a little rootless streak there. There's a little bit of badness that has, that has crept in. Nothing over the top, nothing like that. But the, the things that you need in order to win in All-Ireland. And, you know, if that was the um, the question mark against them, then they have answered that with spades. But I think nobody has given them credit for just how good they are on the ball, how good their decision-making is, and, uh, and how good they are down the stretch, and how dangerous they are at the top of the field. So, uh, Galway not fluffy, basically, is the headline from today's show. Uh, and, I, and I would agree with that, Oshin. Uh, I'll tell you one final question on Derry, uh, Paul. I'll tell you what's really weird. Derry's, like, almost pathological caution in every aspect of the game, except for fly goalie. It seems like a really strange exception to a rule where you don't take any risks on the ball whatsoever, except for your goalie, who will be taking shots from 25 yards out and then getting... Uh, yeah, you know, three. Or it was Connor Glass. In fairness, that got turned over for the goal. But I mean, it's so odd. I mean, why would you make that the exception to to the rule? I don't know the answer to that question, but you know my feeling on these fly goalkeepers. I've made it clear earlier on in the year. I'm not a fan. Um, I'm a fan when it's Eden Rafferty because he's he's not a goalkeeper and uh, he he comes out with such power and like dynamic and just yeah. But like the goalkeeper, like is a good is a good goalkeeper. That's why he's in goal, right? But we comes out the field. He just didn't even look comfortable, like on the ball. It was just it was red alert, and I could not understand it. I still and then and then look, it's just a team now. I think the goalkeeper is like you know they all any goalkeeper I've ever played with has all had a bit of a mad streak in them, right? And in a good way, but they all have, and um, even. When Derry are six, or when Gary, when Galway are six up, the Galway goalkeeper starts coming out, and I'm saying to myself, "Is this is that, is he winding me up? Like, like is there six up? <laughs> like yeah, yeah, the game is dead and buried. Just stay right between in the middle of two posts. See the two white posts. Just stand right in the middle there and don't even leave that six yard box. That, that that thought did cross my mind also. To be fair, so I don't know why I just you know I would have loved to see a little bit. I, I to be honest with you, there was more risk taken in Derry this year. They just whether it was tactically they just didn't feel like that they could go for it. But like how they didn't drop the odd ball in and t- at least test each half. I would have like if they're so coordinated about everything they do, you know I would have at least twice each half popped two balls on that keeper's heads and just had a pl- set play for it. Because we seen what happened when when Armad when Arma did it, uh, it caused chaos, and Galway would have worked on that for the last two weeks. You can be sure of that. But even when you work on things and that happens in the heat of battle, you are tested. And they should have they should they should have dropped a few balls in there. Um, but um, a little bit more, I'd say Derry would be kicking themselves that they didn't take more risks when they when when they wake up this morning. Oshin, a uh, word before we let you guys go on Westmead winning the Talchin Cup and um, winning it in a bit of style as well. It got a pretty good, got a pretty good day out. Yeah, I uh, was actually really impressed with with uh, with Westmead. I, I was full sure that Cavan would would win that competition. Maybe that was part of the problem. Um, but the thing with Westmead was you just had. Uh, I thought the huge amount of energy Wallace gives them that from 
from uh, centre half back. Uh, and I thought O'Toole was was out of this world. I thought he was he was and Cavan just didn't clamp him down. The stat that I used last night was uh, Westmead won tre- twenty three out of twenty three kickouts, which is an amazing stat. Uh, Jason Daly, goalkeeper, deserves a lot of credit for that. But uh, like Cavan had pushed up on at least you know fourteen or fifteen of them, and you know the fact that they pushed out up. Westmead get the get the kick out of the way and they get punished at the far end of the field. So uh, I just thought coming out of a uh, you know when you're talking about second tier teams, but you're talking about a stat like that, I thought that was that was immeasurably the reason why they won the game. I know that the the Thomas Gallagher incident, you know him getting sent off, it finished up one four to no score in favour of Westmead after he got sent off. So I mean that's a huge turning point in the game. But I thought the kick out stats were. Or, uh, or class Alright listen we'll let the two of you go off and think about the All-Ireland for the next couple of weeks and what's <laughs> going to happen there Paul O'Shane brilliant stuff thanks Emil Thanks Ed Quality sleep is essential that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is stupendous. 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 Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial-free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations, they are amazing. Stupendous. We'll give the lads a bit of time to get their heads in the game for the All-Ireland Football Final. Murph, as you said, we've got to start thinking about the, the hurling All-Ireland. It's on this Sunday. This championship yeah. is coming thick and fast. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, I mean, to be fair, the All-Ireland Hurling Final has often been overshadowed by the football semi-finals, which has happened in the past on the week before the All-Ireland Hurling Final. Um, but you kind of lump that in with the fact that it's you know still you know July the 11th is all, and we're sat here thinking about an All-Ireland Hurling Final. And I think a lot of people are wrestling with you know a very strange question that maybe... They never really expected to have to ask themselves. Go on. Who are we going to? Who who are we shouting for in this Iron Hurling final? I mean, Limerick against Kilkenny. This should not be a difficult choice, and yet you know Limerick have been so dominant, have won so have have won three, looking for four, uh, and Kilkenny obviously are so doughty, so uh, resilient, so admirable in so many ways. I mean, there, I mean, <laughs> sure, there are a lot of Galway, Kil- or Galway Tipperary. Cork people wrestling with some very odd emotions this week. You know, very, very strange emotions. So I'll have to try and get my head around the idea that maybe Kilkenny winning in Ireland isn't the worst thing in the world anymore. Mm. Uh, maybe they're maybe they're the good guys. <laughs> in a inversion of that uh, David Mitchell meme. We'll preview that one for you on the World Service. We've got our big rugby chat tomorrow. There's a Murph and Mal movie club going out later this week. Some of you might never have had the, the pleasure of listening to Murph and Mal talk sports movies. This has been a slot that we've had a, quite a bit of over the last couple of years. Not for, not for too long though, Murph, and we're bringing it back to talk about the new Adam Sandler movie, Hustle. And also Rollerball. Mm. Uh, this is obviously after the passing of James Caan last week. This is a, a, a rather... I've never seen it, Murph. I, I, I hear it's a kind of mad sports-related movie that James Caan delivers a memorable performance in, so it seems like a good one to talk about. Yeah, Owen, it's genuinely uh, demented. <laughs> that's how <laughs> I describe uh, Rollerball. Uh, got a lot of criticism uh, for its depiction of ultra-violence when it was released in 1975. But it also foretold a lot of... Kind of the developments in sport and the commercialization and uh, kind of the yeah, there's like there's tons in it actually about kind of sport today and how people were. I mean, I think this movie was actually set in 2018, 
Uh, so we haven't quite developed Rollerball to the extent that it's ready for launch on ESPN or whatever. But a lot of very interesting ideas. Some may differ on the effectiveness with which those messages are portrayed in this movie, but all comments and questions and opinions are welcome. Editor at secondcaptains.com and maybe just put movie club in the subject title of your email. Well, these guys have to sign up first, Murph. I mean, this one's going out especially to the Monday. This message is especially for the Monday-only listeners. So Mm. sign up to the World Service, first of all. Then watch the movie. Then send your thoughts in to Kieran. We're having a lot Mm. of fun. This is the point. We're having a lot of fun on the World Service these days. And don't forget, all episodes of the pod are ad-free if you become a member at secondcaptains.com for five or a month plus VAT. The Second Captains podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Take care. Chat soon. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.